Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee faithfully served the Lord for more than seven decades, co-laboring with Watchman Nee in China in the first half of the 20th century, before continuing his ministry in Taiwan, later in America, and eventually over the entire earth. He spoke these life study messages before thousands of people, and much of his speaking has been published as over 400 titles. These life studies are perhaps his most significant work, taking 21 years for him to complete, and we're happy today to be able to bring you selected portions from those messages. If you'd like to find out more about his ministry, about the life studies themselves, and Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now let's join today's program. We all know that God is a loving God. In fact, the Bible says that God is love. But what does it mean when it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, Well, it means that in our fallen natural condition, we were so low that not even God's love could reach us. We needed something more. We needed God's mercy to reach into the depths of our lowest state to bring us to a place where his love could affect us in his most marvelous and complete salvation. This is the message that the Apostle Paul brings in Ephesians chapter 2, and it's also our topic on our Life Study radio program today. Bob Danker has joined us again. Welcome back to the program today, Bob. It's good to be with you again, Matt, as we consider this uh, wonderful salvation that God has given to us and how he reached us in our miserable and pitiful condition before we were saved. And he brought us to the place where he could give us his grace and make us alive. Awesome. I think we have a really good message today. I hope our listeners will stay with us. If our listeners remember from yesterday, chapter 2 begins with three really negative verses that describe in a very graphic way the miserable condition that all mankind is in before being saved. Verse 1 says, And you, though dead in your offenses and sins, in once you once walked according to the age of this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air, of the spirit which is now operating in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also all conducted ourselves once in the lusts of our flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and of the thoughts, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Bob, this is a very pitiful condition even a condition describing those before salvation who were in death. It's good to give a little uh, review of that, I think. Yes, Matt, it's very important that we see the background from which God has saved us with his marvelous salvation. Bob, in the book of Ephesians as a whole, it comes from a positive view in such a high way in chapter 1. And here in chapter 2, Paul gives us a perspective that completely is upside down from what he shared from the heavenly view in chapter 1. And it looks at the situation from the bottom up instead of the top down. What's the point of this great contrast? Again, it shows that even though in eternity 
God planned for us so many marvelous things, and in his economy, he accomplishes these wonderful things so that we can be the church, which is the body of Christ, according to his eternal purpose and plan and heart's desire. This is the high place from which the book of Ephesians begins, but this is from God's point of view. From our point of view, it doesn't begin on a high plane. It begins on a very low level. That's where we were. Our condition was so low and so pitiful. In order to work out his eternal plan, God had to save us out of our pitiful estate. Let's go to Witness Lee and touch this great verse, Ephesians chapter 2-4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. This portion says, but God. But, but here means a lot. But God does give us a turn. In verses 1 through 3, we were just in that misery. But God came in. God now is what? Rich in mercy. Because of his great love, with which he loved us. When we are in a good condition, God does need to exercise his mercy. Love is adequate. But when we are in a miserable condition, God's love would not go that down. Then his mercy comes in. Mercy is exercised to us in a miserable situation, to persons who do not deserve anything of God. Then mercy comes. So mercy reaches much further than love. When mercy reaches us, mercy bring us into a level that is suitable for God's love. His mercy reached us even when we were dead in offenses and sins. Then when God's mercy came to us in our dead situation, He made us alive. When we were in the tomb, He made us alive. He enlivened us. This is the very initial of his salvation. His salvation comes to us by imparting his divine life into us, the dead people. Not only made us alive, but also raised us up. To make alive is one thing, to raise up is another thing. You know the story of Lazarus. He was buried in tomb. Then Jesus came to him and made him alive. Then Jesus also raised him up from the tomb. In the same principle, God's mercy came to us. Firstly, made us alive. Then raised us up from the dead. Bob, this is a great picture of salvation, comparing it to Lazarus of being, being dead and then being raised up. There's just not the aspect of Christ's death, but in Ephesians, we really see the matter of resurrection and raising us up. Isn't this marvelous? This is marvelous, Matt. Uh, I think 
Um, we are pretty much aware. It's not easy to realize that before we were saved, we were all sinners. We were all uh, walking in uh, sins. We were uh, living out our sinful nature. Our life was absolutely contrary to God and his righteousness. So we're aware of these things. But Paul in Ephesians goes even further to show us we were not only sinners who were sinful, we were actually dead in our offenses and sins. And once a person has died, generally uh, that's the end. But with God, because he's the eternal God and his love for us is eternal, once he loves us, he would never change. God never changes. So uh, he has to do something uh, in his salvation to First of all, to make us alive. He has to impart himself as life into us to make us the dead persons alive again. Uh, And then, uh, you know, we were uh, a dead person, of course, should be buried after he dies. He's put in a tomb. Well, in a very real sense, we were not only dead, we were in, in a tomb. And so God not only had to make us alive by imparting himself as life into us in his salvation, but he had to raise us up out of our uh, buried situation. We were in a tomb, so to speak. Uh, This is a real description, uh, as Paul gives us, of our absolutely miserable condition before we were saved. And we see the, the the extent of God's salvation, you know, how first his mercy reached us because we were not on the level. We were not on the level where he could, uh, his love could affect us. He loved us, but we were so miserable that that his love couldn't affect us and reach us until his mercy brought us up to that level where his love could come into play in our situation and then uh, because of his love, he imparted himself as life into our being and made us alive. And he raised us up together with Christ out of our buried, entombed situation. Wow. Marvelous. <laughs> Bob, this is a great lead-in to the next portion with Witness Lee. Let me read verse 5, and then we'll, we'll go to the continue the program. Even when we were dead in offenses— made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. I think this, for, this is an important phrase, by grace you have been saved. That, that'll somewhat lead us into the rest of the program today. Here's Witness Lee. The salvation which is described here in Ephesians is not a kind of salvation by righteousness to satisfy God's righteous requirements. No, no. Ephesians is on salvation that imparts life into us that we may be members of the body of Christ. Amen. Not to satisfy God's righteous requirement, but to fulfill God's eternal purpose to have a living body for the expression of Christ. To fulfill this purpose, it is not the righteousness required, but life required. So here the salvation is not by righteousness, but by life. If you read Romans, you could see God's salvation there doesn't bring us to the heavenlies. 
In Romans, God's salvation brings us to a righteous position, into a position of being justified. But here in Ephesians, God's salvation by life brings us into the heavenlies. And also, this salvation has brought us into the heavenly place, into a kind of heavenly atmosphere, a kind of heavenly nature, a heavenly characteristic. So, we are the heavenly people. We are in the heavenlies. God's salvation by life has transferred us into such a kind of atmosphere. Also, this salvation by life has transferred us into Christ. Of course, in Romans, we've also been told that we have been transferred from Adam into Christ. But there in Christ, it's mostly a matter of position. But here in Christ, it's a matter of life, vitality of life, not just a position. We do have the vitality here because we are in Christ. We are here in a kind of life vitality. Bob, there's quite a difference in the focus here between salvation and Ephesians with vitality and life versus in Romans, where the emphasis of salvation is on position. Your comments. Yes, Matt. It, there is a real contrast between Romans and Ephesians. When you open the book of Romans, you start reading, you find uh, that Paul uses uh, many words to describe how the whole human race is uh, in sin and is under God's judgment as a result. So the problem there is man's sins and his unrighteousness, which uh, which disqualify him and make him unable to be justified by God. God cannot do anything but judge unrighteous and sinful man. So the point there is that first, in order to save us, Christ has to die for our sins and, and pay the penalty for our sins. Uh, and then we need to believe in this one so that we can be justified by God. We can be made righteous by God. We're in a position of righteousness before God. Of course, this position of righteousness requires that we be in union with Christ. It does require this, uh, so that Christ can be our righteousness in a very uh, real way. You know, uh, This way, God can justify us and make us, declare us to be righteous according to his standard of righteousness. But this uh, is, is one aspect of God's salvation. But in Ephesians, Paul doesn't talk about, uh, in chapter 2 at least, he doesn't talk about Christ redeeming us so that we can be justified. He speaks about salvation from the viewpoint of the imparting of life because we were dead and we were in a miserable situation. We were uh, not heavenly at all. We were earthly at the very least. We were earthly uh, people. So uh, here we need not only Christ's death to take away our sins, but we need Christ in resurrection to impart himself as life into us. And then we need his ascension to lift us up 
into a heavenly situation. So here, uh, when you put these two books together, you can see that God saves us through Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension. All of these accomplishments of Christ are applied to us uh, in Romans to justify us, and in Ephesians to make us alive, to raise us up from the dead, and to seat us with Christ in the heavenlies, in a heavenly atmosphere, in a situation full of life and vitality, which is a great contrast to what our condition was before we were saved. And this is all for the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose to gain a body, a living organic body to express Christ. And that body of Christ is full of vitality. Of course, every body, a living body, a healthy body, should be a vital body, and that's what we see in the book of Ephesians. Let's go to the final portion here today. With uh, We're going to cover Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Here's Witness Lee. Saved by grace, yet through faith. What is faith? Here Paul says, faith is not of ourselves. You believe, but the faith with which you believe is not of yourself. Faith is not of ourselves. We don't have any faith. But the marvelous thing is this. At the time when we repent, when we make confession to God in the name of the Lord Jesus, at that very time, something came into us. Just so fast, something came into us. That something was faith, was the believing ability. You know, for years and years and years, we were absolutely unable to believe. It was hard for us to believe. But one day, we cannot tell why. We just repented and we confessed of our sins. Well, we were confessing of our sins. Something got into us. And that something right away became the believing ability. And we believed. We just believed. People would say with us, you believe in Jesus Christ? Have you ever seen him? You say, no, I've never seen him. Then why do you believe in him? I don't know why. I just had to believe. Oh, you are superstitious. I don't care whether superstition or not superstition. I cannot help but believe. That is not something of you. That is faith. Not of yourselves. So, the Bible calls the faith of Christ. Paul says, it's no I, but Christ that lives me. And the life that I live, I live not by something else. I live by the faith of Jesus Christ. Faith is just Christ himself. The Bible says the faith of Christ. By the faith of Christ. And the Bible also says the faith is given to us. And also says we receive the faith. And also said the faith is a common thing. It's common. Come to, come to me. Come to all of us. It's given, it's received, it's common. If you put all the verses together, you have to admit this faith must be Jesus Christ. 
Bob, I think that the listeners of the Life Study radio program who've heard Witness Lee for any amount of time realizes that Christ is everything. Christ is everything in this ministry. And again, even this matter of faith, faith is Christ, isn't it? It is, Matt. Uh, I really appreciate your pointing out that in this ministry, Christ is everything. We have nothing but Christ, and God has given us nothing but Christ. And here we, we are talking about faith. Faith. One day we didn't have it for uh, our whole life until a certain day. Uh, uh, the day came when we repented, confessed our sins, realized we were sinners, and we believed Where did that faith come from? If we all are very honest and we look back on the day when we first believed in the Lord, we have to admit it didn't come from us. We are not the source of the faith that caused us to be united with Christ and saved by grace, as Paul points out here. That faith is just Christ himself. Uh, We were Perhaps we were listening to someone speak about Christ— Uh, In preaching the gospel, uh, we were reading something about Christ, and the more we listened and the more we read, the more we appreciated the Lord, and somehow the, the time came, or the very instant came, when faith was infused into us. That means Christ was imparted into us to be the living faith by which we believe in him. And uh, as Brother Lee pointed out, uh, there are uh, several places in the New Testament where p- the Greek for, uh, the Greek expression is the faith of Jesus Christ, which means that this faith is Jesus Christ. We have Romans chapter 3, verse 22, which says that the righteousness of God is manifested not out of the works of the law, but through the faith of Jesus Christ. Then we have Galatians 2.16 and Galatians 2.20, which say, speak again about the faith of Jesus Christ. This kind of expression means that faith is Jesus Christ. He is the faith that we have received from God, that all believers have in common. We all have the same, we all have, as Peter pointed out in 2 Peter 1, verse 1, equally precious faith. This has been allotted to us, given to us by God, and it is not of us. It's something has been given, something that has been received, something that is common to all of us. And this faith surely is nothing but the wonderful person of Jesus Christ. You know, Bob, the the gift of grace is free, and we we obtain that gift uh, through our substantiating faith. And our that, that's our substantiating ability to be saved by grace. I just appreciated this matter of faith. It's the substantiating of invisible things. And it's by faith that we substantiate all the things Christ has accomplished for us. And how can we do this apart from Christ infusing himself into us as this substantiating faith? What an awesome picture of God's salvation. It is awesome, Matt. As Brother Lee pointed out, have you ever seen the Lord Jesus? We all have to say, I've never seen him. Did you see him die on the cross? No. Uh, Did you see him rise from the dead? No. But we believe all these things. And our faith makes those things real to us. So they are very real to us. 
Christ is real to us, his death for us is real, his resurrection is real, his ascension is real, and our union with him also is real. And our, all the things that Christ is and that has done for us are, as you pointed out, substantiated, made real through this wonderful faith. I just want to add one verse in Ephesians 3.17 before we run out of time. Christ makes his home in our heart through faith. Faith is not a small thing. I'm glad we could touch these great matters today, Bob. Thanks for joining me. It's a pleasure, Matt. Thank you for joining us today. On behalf of Bob Danker, this is Matt Miller. Join us again for our next program through the Life Study of Ephesians. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia, and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.